0: Well, welcome, welcome to our series, Follow Your Dreams, They Know The Way. And we are really excited about this series. We have a phenomenal series in January, the last few weeks about first things first. You can't build a house without building a foundation and you can't build a life without doing things that are supposed to be done first, first. If you ever make the mistake of doing them after you've done the building, it's too late. So it's been a great series of first things first. And then really, you know, dreams and vision is really the spark that lights up everything that we've just learned about. We've learned about that faith is the goal because God looks at our faith. Our faith is the reason why we can see change and transformation in the things that we are praying for and leading in. We then heard that we need to be trained, not just taught, because Teachings about knowledge. Training is about competency. And in this life, it's what you can do that matters, not what you know. We then talked about the big five. Pastor James' message last week was something that was... Um, uh, so many people responded to and, and said, that's me. I had people talking to me afterwards and say, I've got that whole thing back to front. And uh, what a great message that was with the fi- big five and getting it in the right order. And so today we're going to be talking about follow your dreams because they know the way. And so with that foundation set, we can start to build our life. Most people would have done this series in January. But first things first, and then the dreams. If You can just turn me down a little bit. I'm echoing somewhere. So we're going to pray and then we're going to get into the message this morning. Now, I really want you to open your heart because this next few weeks, I promise you, the next three weeks, I'm not going to just drop ideas about visions and dreams. I'm going to teach you how to transform dreams into the reality that you live in. Because we hear lots of inspiration and we have lots of information, but you're going to get impartation and you're going to get an understanding of how. I used to sit in church when I was younger and think to myself, why don't they tell me how? They tell me what, they even tell me why, but how matters if you're going to put it in action, right? Because it's going to be more than knowledge, and we're not just listeners and hearers of the Word of God, but we're doers of it, otherwise we actually deceive ourselves, the Bible says. So Father, we ask you to take this message and let it go into our hearts like an arrow. Let it lodge inside of us so that It starts to do the work by which you have designed for it to do. We thank you for your presence, and we ask you to speak where I don't speak and fill in the gaps and help people understand your great purpose for them. In Jesus' name, amen. So I remember another day that might have felt like this week coming. No, another day many years ago where I sat in church thinking that my life, my ministry, was over. I'd been sick for 18 months. I didn't know why, I didn't know how, but it led to this point where I could no longer work. I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where you can't work, even if you want to. And when you can't work, and you're not working for a couple of months, you start seeing the end of what you hoped for right in front of you, Everything you've worked for, for a long, long time, coming to a place of loss, of immobility and an ability to move forward, it's a very challenging time. All of us have had at some point in our lives things like that. As I sat there, about to lose everything, it felt, felt like I was going to lose it all, and... Just as I'm sitting in a church service like you're sitting today, God began to speak to me from His Word. It's one of the reasons why we need to be reading God's Word. We need to be in an atmosphere of faith. I was, in an at- I was struggling. I was down. I was out. But I was in church. I was where the atmosphere of God could reach me. I was where, where the voice of the preacher could speak to me and where the atmosphere could shift me. And as I sat in there, God, I felt the Holy Spirit say, open your Bible to Psalm 128. I opened my Bible to Psalm 128, and this is what I read. Blessed are all those who fear the Lord, who walk in obedience to Him. You will eat the fruit of your labor. Because my big concern was, I've done all this for 15 years and I'm about to lose it all you will eat the fruit of your labor, blessing and prosperity will be yours. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house, your children will be like olive shoots around your table. In one translation, it says, Your sons at that stage when he had two sons, he says, Your sons will be like olive shoots around your table, yes. This will be the blessing for the man who fears the Lord. And I wrote down the date in my Bible when we used to take Bibles to church. Remember those days? And I wrote down the date and the moment when God spoke to me in the midst of me at the edge of a precipice, wondering about the darkness that I saw before me and wondering if I could ever make it back. Wondering. And God says to me, you will eat the fruit of your labor and your family, your wife, and your children will be like incredible things and will do amazing things. You know, today, Jane and I are living our dream. We're living the dream that that day in 1994 said we'd live. It was so certain, or it's become so true, that that word was from God. And when I look about it, we're eating the fruit of our labor. We passed this campus, this is the first campus, been going one year, we bought the building before we started the campus, right, we have 12 campuses around the world, God has blessed us, God is doing great things, we're in three countries, our vision is for 200 campuses and over maybe 50 countries, and God has blessed us because we sat and we listened to His Word deposit dreams and vision into our hearts. I believe in dreams. I believe our dreams know where to go. And so we follow them. You know, my family's doing great. I don't know if we got the photo of my family at Christmas. Did we get it? There we are. So this is my family. This is my tribe. And you can see that Lauren, this is actually before uh, Lauren gave birth. So this is just before Christmas. But there's another little girl now. To add to the five other grandchildren, now six grandchildren, and huh? and Ben is missing from the photo because you only get in there if you have a wife and children. So we're trying to get him a wife and some children. So Ben's doing the sound today. If you're nineteen, twenty, and you need an interview with us first, though, then come and talk to us. Uh, he's he's uh, on the market. I like to tease him. He really likes it too. He likes the ads. Okay, so the Bible tells us this. So, God, so let me say this about our family. So what a great family, honestly. God has blessed us. Even when Benjamin was born 13 and a half years after Nathan was born, you know, looking at that scripture a few years later, and I read it in a in one version that says sons. And I'm like, wow, God's plan right back in 94 but he had not disclosed to me was that we would have sons, right? But here it is, after five, eight years of him being alive, I read that again, I'm like, sons, this was God's plan all along. I didn't have any doubts, son, about whether you were the plan, but you know what I'm saying? It just reinforced how amazing God is. God keeps revealing and reinforcing the stuff that we need to hear about our life. Who believes that God has a dream and a vision for you That is as good as what I just laid out, or maybe even better. But good for you. Come on, put up your hand if you believe that, right? If you don't believe that, start reading the Bible a bit more, (laughs) right? Start leaning in a bit more. Why? Because He does. We're living this dream, this dream. I remember in 2015, I took a photo of us all, this was before the grandkids, and I thought, here we are living the dream. But every stage seems to be the dream gets better and better and better and better. And we're going to be so old. We have great-grandchildren and, and we may even live to 120 of great-great-grandchildren. Who knows? Who knows what's going to happen? But the, all I'm saying is, God followed through on what He promised because that's what He does. Here's a little word. If God doesn't follow through on what he said he'd do, then he didn't say it. Selah, everybody. So what we do is this, is when God spoke to Joseph, we need to hear this, when God spoke to Joseph and gave him a dream about his future, none of his brothers could stop it, though they tried. No pit could stop it, no slave trader could stop it, no accusation of infidelity from Potiphar's wife could stop it, and no false accusation from Potiphar, no being put in jail could stop it. Nobody could stop that dream except Joseph himself. God would never give you a dream if someone else could mess it up, otherwise he's not God. Otherwise, how could I trust God who knows everything to give me a promise that someone else can muck up? The only person who can muck it up is you. And if you and I muck it up, well, then that's our problem. But hell and high water can come our way, but nobody can muck it up except us, because when God gives it to us, it's to us. He's not a man that he should lie. And He's not a man that He should play with our emotions. God is not a master manipulator, and He doesn't play with our emotions and give us hope and then take it away and crush our soul. That is not God. But sometimes we wonder if it's God, and, and so that's why we need some of these other steps we're going to talk about. Over the last month, we've been putting in the foundations, first things first. Now we've started to put those in, I hope you started to practice them, because it's only in practicing the foundations that you can build a successful house. If you get too excited about the house before the foundations are laid, well, your house is going to crack somewhere down the, uh, the future because foundations must go first. First things first. So keep on doing that. Keep on signing up for rides. rise. Keep on being part of the different things. Develop on purpose. Be intentional about those things. But dreams and visions are the spark that lights it all up. And This series is called Follow Your Dreams, They know the way. And once you know that a dream is from God, you need to know how to follow it. You need how to turn a dream into reality, how to turn a vision into reality. And I'm gonna teach you step by step over the next few weeks. I promise you, it'll be worth it because you will always have something to be able to follow a plan that's right from the Word of God, laid out simply, that'll help you not just live in fantasy land about things that you hope for or live in hope, but you can build your life on something substantial and develop what God has given you to develop. Now, it's really interesting because the word dream in Hebrew is the word kalom, which means to make plump. I found that very interesting. Someone asked me before, what does that mean? I said, it makes make you fat, but a good kind of fat, right? He says, in other words, dreams, the Hebrew idea of a dream is back in those days, remember, when food was scarce, if you were plump, that means you got a good source of food. And if you were skinny, you meant you weren't eating enough. Okay? So when the Bible talks about dreams make you plump, in other words, they make you healthy. That's the idea. Of course, we've shifted that old health thing around on its head now. But back in those days, when that was written, it means you're healthy. In other words, having a dream keeps you healthy. Right? It's part of your overall health to have dreams and visions. And so, we need, in other words, we live our healthiest lives when we pursue God-given dreams. And I promise you, the principles I'm going to share with you are going to change that troubled marriage into one of peace. It's going to turn that rebellious child into a responsive child. It's going to take your debt and deal with it. I'm living some of my dreams right now. here's what's amazing, the more you live in your dreams, the more dreams come. There's like more dreams to fulfill. Even as I'm living in my dream, I'm also being drawn irresistibly towards other dreams that are meant to pile on top of the dream that God gave me. Let me just say a little thought for you, Uh, uh, and that is this, you know, I believe in therapy. I believe in dealing with the past. I believe in dealing with root problems. We've done it, Jane and I have done this kind of counseling for 30 years. I believe in all of that. But there's something about a dream that draws you irresistibly out of your past more strongly than anything else. I can forget the past if I have a dream in the future. There's something that allows you to let go of what happened yesterday when I've got something compelling to run towards tomorrow. And if you don't have that, Therapy, you'll be good, but you'll be back week after week after week after week. And it may need that. I'm not saying it doesn't need that. What I'm saying is that a compelling part of the package is to have a dream that, like a tractor pulling a, a stranded car out of mud and out of dirt, pulls you out of the stuff that you're in. Really, really important to understand. That's why this series over the next. Three weeks is going to be so profound, so life-changing. I'm going to try to pack it all in and give you uh, all the good stuff. You know, lots of people have dreams, but they never get fulfilled. Why? Because having the dream part isn't the hard part. Birthing the dream is the hard part. Would you agree? It's like a 15-year-old girl who gets pregnant. That wasn't so hard. What to do with it next is the hard part. It's like a boy, a 10 year old boy, wanting a puppy. It all seemed good when we were looking at the puppy and then we bring it home. Now what? <laughs> yeah. Dreams are like that. They're the easy part, even though some people don't get them or don't go after them or don't understand. But once you've got them, how do you move your dream from the dream phase into a reality living it out phase? Well, I'm going to teach you that over the next few weeks, I promise you. I want you to turn your Bible. Uh, to Genesis 30. In fact, don't turn your Bible. It's on the screen. I'm so used to saying that. It says this. Let's all read it together. You ready? Let's all stand and read. This could be. This could be four chapters. It's only a verse, so you won't stand long. But I believe in standing for the reading of God's word many times because it just focuses us on the word of God is what brings life and truth to us. So let's read it together. You ready? As a result, Jacob's flocks increased rapidly, and he became very wealthy with many servants, camels, and donkeys. You can take your seats. Here it is. As a result, there's something happened that changed Jacob's life from a dream to suddenly his flocks increased rapidly, and he became wealthy with many servants, camels, and donkeys. Now this is not a get rich seminar, this is not what this is about, it's about translating our dreams into reality. This could be your child, it could be a marriage, it could be your future, it could be your business, whatever it is, it relates to you. your health. Have a dream for those things, because as a result, it says about Jacob, his flocks increased rapidly and he became very wealthy with many servants, camels and donkeys. He became wealthy very quickly, but that had not been how he had started. Within just a few years, he was a man with lots of possessions, a large family, and had everything he had dreamed about. How was this possible? Was it just luck? Did he just strike it lucky? Did he manage to be in the right place at the right time? It wasn't luck, because everything was stacked against him. Everything that he had was taken from him. Did he have the right connections? No. But he understood the process of converting dreams into drivable realities, things that we can live in every day. Remember, 20 years earlier, God's given him a dream. But as so often happens, he hadn't put first things first. His name actually means deceiver. And so he went to go about his dream his way and pursue it with his sneaky tactics and all the things he'd learnt from the world that was in him that he knew how to do and he went about trying to fulfill his dream that way and after 20 years, he's got nothing. He's been, been deceived. His wages have been changed 10 times and he's in a mountain of debt because when you pursue your dream, even if it's a God-given dream, your way, trouble is on the horizon, not good things. A good dream with a bad process results in a bad result. So, we've got to have a good dream, a godly dream, and we've got to follow a godly process. Because remember what the Bible says? He says, God's blessing makes rich and adds no sorrow to it. If you don't have God's blessing, sorrow will be added to everything you do. That's life. And it doesn't mean you avoid every bad thing, but God is there with you to help you overcome every bad thing and win in the end. That's all that matters. The beginning of the story, there's the messy middle, and then there's the conclusion. And what you need to know is God's committed to the conclusion for He's working all things together for my good to those that love God and are called according to His purpose, not everybody, just those people that put first things first. Never lose it over this year that first things must come first, not second or third. You can chase a good dream the wrong way. And it produces heartache because the blessing of God makes rich and he adds no sorrow to it. So we must do the first thing we need to do if you're taking notes is we've got to chase the dream God's way. Make a decision. I'm going to chase it God's way. I'm not going to take shortcuts. You know when the devil came to Jesus on the 40-day fast and he said, bow down to me and I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world. What was he appealing to? Everyone's got their theory, but let me tell you mine. Let me tell you the real one. He was appealing to the shortcut memory, a shortcut method. You do not have to go to the cross to get this and be the ruler. Just follow me and I'll make you the ruler. That is the same enticement given to all of us all the time. There is a shortcut to get what you want, and it doesn't involve doing the slow things which, cause, which mean putting God first. Put Him second. He doesn't mind he's not first, he's like an American. If he's not first, he's the first loser. Right? That's how Americans think. Australia, we celebrate everybody that gets to the final. In America, if you get the silver medal, you're the first loser. (laughs) I love that. It it messes with my mind. Uh, That egalitarian uh, spirit of Australia, messes with that. But it's very true in one sense. The truth is this, that God wants you to put him first. Second, third, fourth, and fifth. And then you can put the rest of the other things, okay? And if you do it that way, I promise you, things will change. So, Jacob's first 20 years ended in trouble and pain, but somewhere in between, he figured it out. And this is, you may have been through 10 years of pain. You might be going through pain right now. This is a great moment to figure it out. And so, 2023, let's figure it out. And then we read that verse again. And I want you to read the first, the third word. Uh, I'll read it, and you listen to the emphasis. As a result, Genesis 30, as a result, in other words, result of what? Jacob's flocks increased rapidly, and he became very wealthy with many servants, camels, and donkeys. As a result of what? That's the big question, right? Wow, all these things happened to him, but what did change in order for everything to change? Well, let's go to Genesis 30, verse 25 to 43 to pick up the story. And I'll just uh, tell you the story, and then I'll read the Scripture. uh, Jacob has gone uh, to work for his uncle. He wants this girl, his uncle's daughter, and his uncle seizes an opportunity to to lock him in, to put golden handcuffs on this young man and lock him in for a very long time. Deceives him by giving him the the wrong girl, with a veil, doesn't know who it is until the next day, etc., etc., and then gets locked in again. And now for 20 years, he has been working and working for someone else to do well, but he himself has nothing to show for it, except some pain, some debt, some trouble. So then it says this in verse 25, Soon after Joseph was born to Rachel, Jacob said to Laban, I want to go back home. Jacob replied, You know how faithfully I've served you through these many years and how your flocks and herds have grown because of me. You had, in li- you had little indeed before I came, and your wealth has increased enormously. The Lord has blessed you from everything I do. But now what about me? What about me? We won't see that song. When should I provide for my own family? What wages do you want? Laban asked again. Jacob replied, Don't give me anything at all, just do one thing and I'll go back to work for you. Let me go in among your flocks today and remove all the sheep and goats that are speckled or spotted along with the dark colored sheep. Give them to me as my wages. So he was specific, and we'll get to that in a minute. All right, Laban replies, it will be as you have said. And while he's thinking and praying, he has an idea. Okay, God gives him an idea. This is how you're going to get out of your trouble. So he goes to Laban, does a negotiation. I want to do it this way. I'll even take the worst of the flock, the spotted and speckled. I know you want all the white. I'll have the spotted and speckled. Give them to me. That'll be my wages. I'll be done. We're good. Verse 34 says, All right, Laban replied, it will be as you have said. But that very day, Laban went out and removed all the male goats that were speckled and spotted, the females that were speckled and spotted with only white patches and all the dark colored sheep. He placed them in the care of his sons and they took them three days distance from where Jacob was. So what he does is rip him off again. Says, yep, I agree to the deal and takes everything that Jacob's gonna use to shift his life forward and leaves him with nothing. So now when Jacob looks across the sheep, He's still tending the sheep for Laban and his flocks, but everything he can see now is white. He was hoping he could see some, uh, he'd be able to see all the spotted and speckled sheep, and that would be how he would breed, and that's how he believed God was going to supercharge the breeding, and he'd end up with lots of flocks and whatever else. And that didn't happen. All the ingredients for the future were removed from his life. Three days put in the, you know, put in, in in his sons' hands to keep them away from. Jacob. And on the surface, Jacob has nothing to work with. And you may be here today with a vision, a big vision, maybe a small vision, but a big vision. But in relation to what you need to do, it seems like nothing. Maybe in some cases, even what you had planned has been taken away from you. Again, over these next three weeks, I'm going to teach you how it all changes for Jacob, this universal principle and principles that will change your marriage, your children, your finance, your life, Everything about your life is found in the principles found here in Jacob's turnaround story. And we're going to talk about that, uh, a little bit of that today. So he has nothing to work with. Now, if I was to ask you, I've got a dream, I've got a dream, but I've got nothing to work with. Some of us think if I had more staff, I could do it. Some of us think if only we had facilities, we could do it. If only I had more money, I could do it. Here's Jacob with none of those additional resources, just with nothing, just with him. But here's the secret, and the beautiful thing is all it needs is you and God, and that's all you need to get a breakthrough and a transformation and a transition forward, right? A multiplication. And Jacob's got nothing, and yet we read in verse 43 that as a result he comes to own. Well, what did he do? Did he go steal those sheep back? No. If you're gonna operate in the laws of faith the laws of transformation, the laws of miracles, and the laws of turning dreams into reality. And I'm going to talk to you about that today. See, God loves to take, this is the thing we need to understand about God. God loves to take nothing and turn it into something. Why? Because then He gets all the glory. God doesn't want to share his, His fame and His glory with anyone else. He wants to be the one that we point to every single time. It was because of God I am here. It's because of God that we are able to do this. If it wasn't for God, I would. If it wasn't for God, I would be so-and-so. But because of God, I am here. Because of God, this has happened. Because of God and my understanding of God's principles and following God's principles, we are at a very different point than that place of debt and destruction and devastation and disappointment which Jacob found himself in after 20 years of trying. Some of us have been trying, it feels like we're bogged in sand and we keep spinning our wheels. God wants to just bring along something that draws you out irresistibly into your future so you can run the race that God has for you. God loves to take nothing. Remember, He started mankind by breathing into the dust of the ground. He loves to take nothing and turn it into something pretty incredible. He loves to take a Moses who's devastated and disappointed at the backside of the desert and say, I will go with you. I will be with you. You can't speak, so I'll send somebody to speak for you. And everything you touch will be so powerful, Pharaoh will tremble. He'll give you what you need. God loves to take nothing and turn it into something. Remember the boy with the five loaves and the two fish? It's nothing. For 5,000 uh, men plus women and children, so 20,000 people, five loaves and two fish are nothing. But God loves to take nothing yeah. and turn it into something. Otherwise, He's not God. But if He really is God, and I say this, if you're going to be a Christian, be a good one. If you're going to be a follower of Jesus, be a full-on one. Yeah. If you're going to be a faith person, be a person of great faith, not little faith. Yeah. Or at least growing faith if your faith is little. Because God loves a challenge. If you'll give it to Him first, say, God, I give my five loaves and two fish to you. I give myself to you. God, have all I am and who I am. Have it all. Surrender regularly. Can I say this? One of the things that you need to learn how to do is how to surrender regularly. Regularly, I sign my resignation as the CEO of my life. God, this is not my church. This is your church. You fix it. He goes, no, I'm going to help you fix it, but I'm going to help you. Does that make sense? Right. So God loves a challenge. And when God starts to, through His grace and favor, multiply what's in your hand, never forget it was Him who gave you the power to be here. And if we make that commitment, I promise you in 10 years, 5 years, 15 years, 20 years, you'll be shocked at what God does in your life. The question is, how did Jacob turn his dream into reality? How do you turn your dreams into reality? First point, we're only going to get through point one today. Point one is this, Jacob knew exactly what he wanted. When you look at your future, do you know exactly what you want? Listen, when I got married, before I got married, I knew exactly what I wanted. I wrote it down. I knew exactly. Let me just give a little word of uh, life wisdom. You ready? We're so fascinated with the wrapping on a present that we never understand what's in the present before we unwrap it. So most people think like this I gotta get a husband. I gotta get a wife. I gotta get some kids because and I'm gonna I've gotta find someone to spend my life with. Well, it's a good desire, but really undefined. Right? <laughs> One of the things that we teach our boys is this, we teach our boys what's going to be in the present. Do you know? The wrapping may be beautiful, but the wrapping gets wrinkled. Even Botox can't slow it all down. Same goes with guys, right? It's going to be wrinkled. It's going to be messed up. We all seen Christmas, the kids just take the wrapping and just throw it away. It matters what's in the present, not what's in the wrapping. But our world has built a whole psyche and mindset around rapping. If they look this way, if they think this way, if he's got money, if she's got this, then they're the right people. That's very shallow. And we know that, but we haven't been taught any better. So we try to teach our boys and try to get them to fall in love with the present before they find the present so that when they see all the qualities of the present, it's easy to recognize you're not randomly troweling through dating apps or whatever it is trying to find you know a person that looks great, sounds good, sounds about, or sounds, sounds safe, how can you tell? You know, all that kind of stuff. We've trained them, this is the kind of woman you want, this is how her qualities are, blah, 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 and we list them all out. In other words, we don't list them all out, but we tell them, we explain it, so that when they find the th- matching person that matches the description, it's like, boom, Oh, I've narrowed my choices down to those four. Okay, now you can look at the wrapping. See which wrapping you like. Now, wrapping's important. I understand that. I don't think it's important as a man wrapping stuff, but my wife thinks it's very important. Uh, So i say all that to say this. When I got married, I wanted, my first quality is this, I wanted a person that was intellectually smart. Why? Because I'm smart. No, because I wanted to be challenged intellectually my whole life. I've been around a long time. If you marry a good looking person, but they're dumb, it's just a bad day. <laughs> Unless you're dumb too, and then it's a good day. <laughs> I mean, matching, you know, you understand, pastor's talking now, you know, we're moving into marriage, but whatever it is. So I, I wanted someone that was intellectually stimulated. I did not want to get bored. I, I've seen one of my sons date a girl, beautiful girl. They just sat there watching TV for three hours, and we're looking, we're looking at not even a conversation. Man, flipping Netflix better be good for the rest of their lives. <laughs> That's all they're doing. But she's a beautiful rapping, he's a beautiful rapping, but they're just not made for each other. He didn't marry, he didn't marry her. It's okay. He married someone with a lot more talking. But the point is, <laughs> the right amount of talking. <laughs> Such cynical people in the room. Yes, to be right, she's perfect for him. But we taught him this is the kind of person you need to find. You see, Jacob knew what he was going after exactly. I'm not just after a wife. Wow, that opens the options really wide. Well, what about that one? No, don't like that one. Hang on, you, you said a wife. Oh yeah, well I've got other characteristics I want. Well, write them down. Be clear. The wrapping came last. I'm like. I want somebody who's intellectually smart. I want somebody that I can be in love with the rest of my life, that I'm going to be friends with for the rest of my life. Right? I wrote a whole bunch of things down. And then I started looking at the wrapping. And there really was only Jane who fitted all those bills, fitted the bill, right? And it was easy. It wasn't like, oh, I don't know. It was like, oh, it's easy. Made for me. Does that make sense? Being Being clear. Otherwise, you're going to end up with surprises. Hmm. Cheers. Okay. <laughs> I believe life is intentional, not accidental. I live my life intentionally, not accidentally. That means I've got to be trained, right? That's the other reason to be trained, because then you can be taught how to live intentionally. A lot of us were not taught. Jane and I have done enough marriage counseling to realize how many people are not taught how to do basic things. The idea is just get a spouse. Well what now? It's like the puppy. Get a puppy. Now what? Not so you know anyway, moving on. When we bought a house, I remember it's a miracle story, I don't have time to go into it today. But we wrote down six things that we wanted in that house. Where it was, which suburb, how big the land was, how much we could afford. Had to be in a cul-de-sac for our kids to play in. We were specific down to six things, at least, maybe seven. And you know what? When it all happened miraculously, and we don't have time for the story, miraculously, what happened was we just stood there saying, God is great and greatly to be praised. He is awesome. I did all the work, but guess what? He put all the pieces together and helped me find them like a treasure hunt. He had been placing all the pieces and boom, there it is. And I was able to stand and say, God, you are incredibly kind to me. You've provided a place, and I went through this whole thing very, very clear. I remember coming to America, for I came to America from Australia, some of you won't know this, but I was a national director over a thousand churches. I was a state director over hundreds of churches, and and so I left all of that that career climbing, if you want to put that, I never saw it that way, but career climbing to this level. Think second or third largest church in the nation. And then God gives me this vision for 200 campuses around the world. In Brazil, there'll be a campus of influencers, Futures Church, there's going to be that. In South America, in Asia, in Europe, and in Africa, there are going to be campuses everywhere. There are 12 right now, but we're going for 200, and it's going to grow. And in this place, I promise you, there are people in this place who are going to be the great business providers of the future for church planning. God's going to bless your business so much that you're going to have so much overflow that you're going to go, hey, can I buy a building in that city, in that city, in that city, in that city? Who'd like to be that person? I mean, it'd be a lot of us, right? Put up your hand for that. Why? Because we all got to work together. There going to be people in this room. they are going to be youth pastors, music directors, pastors, people that become elders, people that become part of the Wisdom Council. You're going to all be in there if you want to be, if you lean in, because God's given us a vision very clear. 200 campuses, 10,000 leaders, 100,000 people led to Christ. And I left all of that, big mega church, left it all to come into Atlanta with nothing except me and seven other people 10 years ago. And look what the Lord has done just in 10 years. Imagine what He's going to do when He multiplies it all, right? I take no credit for it. I take no credit for this building except being obedient to what God told me to do. It's a miracle. Who buys a beautiful building like this and then starts a campus after? Nobody. That's God's plan. I'm on God's team. I'm not running in the ways of the world. I'm running in the ways of the magnificent, powerful, almighty, omniscient God. And man, there are stressful nights if I allow myself to worry. But I'll tell you what, all glory goes to Him. We had a vision, back to another vision, about Planting here. Got six minutes. Anderson, you can come up and tinkle the ivories in six minutes. But the vision was this. I want you to know the vision because I've never shared it with uh, us at Alpharetta. My vision was to create, Pastor Jane and my vision, when I say, aye, oh, it's us. You know, Pastor Jane and I had this vision to create a multicultural church of all ages and all stages. That would be representative of the community that we were in. So we started. So I looked on a map for 10 months. I sat and studied the demographics of Atlanta for 10 months. Once I knew that's another story of how God led us to Atlanta. But why not lead me to California? It's much closer to to Australia than Atlanta. But now that I'm here and I know what California is like, thank God I'm in Atlanta. Anyway, the point is, um, our heart was this. We want to create a multicultural church that represents everybody. We shouldn't wait to heaven for there to be harmony. We need harmony now. Yeah. And all the laws in the world are not going to change anything. Only Jesus could divide, break down the dividing wall of racism between Jews and Greeks. Only Jesus can break down the walls. That's why we have to have a thriving church. Why? Because there are walls out there that need to be broken down by the church, that God's instrument on the earth to bring His grace to non-Jewish people. God brought the church into being. When Jesus died, the church was birthed. So it could be the instrument like the Amazon truck that delivers your, your gifts. It's the God's Amazon truck that delivers His grace. The only way people in our neighborhoods can get to hear about God is if there's something local. And my vision's not to be like an Andy Stanley would be on a screen. I'm not saying that's wrong. Mine's just different. My vision is to raise up into individuals in campuses all over the world because this has got to survive after me. I'm only a, a torch carrier in a hundred year race so far, the church has been around a hundred years and I'm only a torch carrier into the next hundred years and then someone else is going to take over. But by golly, I'm going to try to make it as good for them so they can run the race even faster, right? It's a really amazing thing. So I sat and I looked at all the demographics on, on the thing night after night after night. Jane can tell you, my MacBook looking it all up, looking at all the breakdown of all the demographics everywhere because what I was looking for was a place that represented this multiculture. Yeah. So we started at Gwinnett in the Infinite Energy Center, and that's a miracle story how we got that too, how I became great friends with the general manager of the Infinite Energy Center. And, uh, but we started there because, and, and that campus is this incredible uh, melting pot of people from other countries, people you will look at every color, Is represented in our campus at Gwinnett. We started there because our heart was to create multicultural churches where everybody would be welcome. I love the fact in in our Alpharetta campus there's so many people from Brazil. I mean, it's just like, what a bonus in the sense that they're just amazing people. I love Brazilian people. Anyone loves some Brazilians? Come on, put up your hand. (laughs) I'm glad Pamela put her hand up. She loves Brazilians. That's good. Here's the thing, right? because Patricia, I said Pamela, what am I saying? So the fact is that God wants to create a church that re- reminds him of heaven. It's got everybody, everybody that lives in Alpharetta, that kind of person in here. That's why I love the fact you're here. And if those people who are watching online could make it, we'd have even more of you here. It'd be fantastic, but we're glad that you're here online. This is what I want you to do. You ready? We're coming to an end in just a few moments. Anderson is up there. No, go. So, <laughs> I want you to get your I want you to get your pad out, your your iPhone uh, notes app. Can you get your notes app out for me? I'm going to get you to do a mathematical equation. You ready? What I want you to do, I want you to multiply your age by 365. Okay, can you do that? I think you've got a calculator on your phone as well. Multiply your age by 365. Now take the number that's on the screen, 28,470. Put it on the top line and then deduct what you multiplied. So for instance, if you're 30 years of age, you're going to put up 10,950. If you're 50, whatever that is, by 365. Then I want you to deduct your age times 365 from that 28,740 and come up with a number, a net number. Subtract the 365 times your age from that number. All right? All right? I didn't come to church to do math. That no, was pretty simple. Here's the deal, right? That's how many days of life you have left. 78. 28,470 days is 78 years of age. So let's say it's 78. Minus where you are right now, that's how many days you have left to live your dream. So, what I want you to do is on that same apps page, write yourself a, a reminder note. In 100 words, I want you to write down, you am just going to find where I wrote it here. 100 words or less, exactly what you want from God. I'm talking about dreams, vision, it could be about your job, it could be about your wife or your husband, it could be about your children, it could be about your housing, it could be about your health. And I want you to write your note that you're going to write this week your homework as part of preparation for next Sunday is to write down all these things, 100 words, unless you can go 200, it doesn't matter. No one's going to look at it except you. But get it as brief as possible and say, this is what I believe God wants for my life. In this area, in this area, and this area. Because we're going to start the process of turning dreams into actual reality. And it starts with how much time we have left. I'm looking, you see, I can see the end of the runway approaching quicker than I hoped for me. Right? So that means I'm in a hurry. I'm in a hurry to get things done. I've always been in a hurry, but I'm in a real hurry now. It helps me identify the next five years. This is what I want you to do, right? Over the next five years, you could confine your hundred words to five years from now, five years from now. In five years from now, where do I want to be, what I want to be doing, what's going to be happening in my family, what's going to be happening in my health? Five years from now, what's going to happen? See, five years is 260 weeks, 1,825 days, and 2,333,000 minutes. It starts right now, right? And it's counting down to that five years. But let me give you some, some hope, give you some inspiration. In five years, Columbus opened up a whole new world by discovering the Bahamas, Cuba, Hispaniola, and North and South America. In just under five years, Michelangelo painted the entire Sistine Chapel. In less than five years, Shakespeare wrote Hamlet, Othello, King Lear, Macbeth, and five other immortal plays. You go through so many more other people just in our local city in Atlanta. You've got people like Arthur Blank and Bernie Marcus who were fired from their home improvement jobs and created a business model called Home Depot and went public with their idea. Just three years after losing their jobs, their annual sales were one billion. Three years after losing their jobs, their annual sales were one billion. If you don't have a dream, how can a dream come true? If you don't have a dream that you can write down and articulate, that's why when God's speaking to Habakkuk, he says, write down the vision and make it plain so those that read it can run with it. In other words, if you can't read it and you can't understand it, you can't run with it. While it lives out here, it's in fantasy. When it's written down, it starts to become reality. The first step is, do I know exactly what I want? Do I know exactly what the desires? Remember, God grants the desires of my heart. Here's what's really interesting I'm going to look up the word. I wrote it up here earlier in my message, what the word desires mean or delighting means. So delighting in the Lord means to pamper God. Yeah, you know that? The word delight means to pamper. So there were, there were times when my kids pamper me, man, I just want to give them everything. When they're mean to me, give them nothing. But when they pamper me, they could ask for anything. When I pamper my wife, she'll give me anything. When we pamper God, this idea of pampering God in the Hebrew, so idea of drawing, speaking into Him, that relational quotient of our lives, telling Him how much we love Him, pampering God. We understand what pamper means. Ladies going to the spa, pamper. We understand, right? How do we pamper God? He says, if we delight in the Lord, He will give to us. If we pamper God, He will give to us the desires of our heart. So where do you want to be in 5 years from now? You see, if you look at how many how much shortness of time you have, life is too short to be cranky. Life is too short to not keep your word. Life is too short not to forgive everyone. Why waste time harboring Anger towards someone. You're wasting your life, not theirs. No point. There's no time to worry. Only time to be grateful. Establish the big five that Pastor Jane talked about last week in your life as a matter of priority and urgency. Put God first. Pray every day. Be trained. And then watch what God does. Because I promise you, it'll be spectacular and amazing. I know about you, but I'm fired up about the next five years of my life. I'm fired up about the next five months of my life. I've written it down because I want my dreams not to stay in the closet of dreams, but in the reality of my life. And I want to pray for you right now. Time's moving on, but I want to pray right now that God would start helping us. How do we turn those dreams into reality? That's the, that's the critical part. So Father, over every person today that has dreams and desires, which is all of us, I pray that you would help us to learn, help us to lean in to what you want to do. We ask you to help us as we go about our homework this week, mapping out the five years of desires into a plan and into detail. We ask in Jesus' name.